Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Turn with me to the book of Colossians, please. Colossians over past Philippians. We are in our series, session six on relationships. And last week, we got into a very practical issue, looked at scriptural principles as it related to handling confrontation. And uh, today, we, uh, we follow up on that. And uh, we're talking about some practical issues as it relates to, there are principles here that will relate to your marriage, your covenant, but understand this, that a marriage covenant is the highest human relationship there is. And one reason why, if you follow the Lord, you have the covenant partner you have is not only to bless and encourage and walk with you, but also to expose you so that in where you are exposed is weak, and that's not fun usually. When God created Eve, remember what we've taught you over the years, the Bible calls Eve in the Hebrew a neged, which is, means somebody equal but opposite. Not somebody just like you, but someone who is equal in value, but the, the, the Hebrew word means helps you look in a mirror and see some stuff about yourself that you may not want to see. Now, you don't hear that part of marriage uh, uh, being taught very much, but it's true in the original language. So... I said the very first week that this is a high and holy relationship. Uh, there, there's not much that will be justified in dissolving uh, a, a marriage covenant. Adultery, abandonment, and abuse are on a very short list. But some of the principles we will see today also apply to how you might have confrontation uh, in, in, even in covenant relationships, be it with spouse, children, whatever. But a lot of these principles have everything to do with friendships, business relationships, social relationships, even relationships that you may have with other Christians. So I, I want to remind you that last time we looked at some danger signs that uh, have to do with relationships, and you need to really begin to pray and, and, and really be sensitive to what I call the three C's. Condemners. Do you understand that most of the time condemners are those who have never dealt with their own shame? People who've never dealt with their own shame are usually very self-righteous. And they feel like 
that they ought to, they criticize you because they have so much shame they want to bring you down to their internal level. Condemners. Let me just tell you that if you have the right to make decisions about who you're going to have relationships with, beware of the condemners, beware of the controllers. All of us in our own sinful nature try to control events and people because of our own fear. If I have internal fear, I try to control my circumstances and I try to control the decisions others around me make because I'm fearful of the way it'll turn out if I'm not in control. Boy, will this ever hurt your relationships. Understand that if I'm a controller, it's the root of that is my own fear. And sometimes, without knowing it, not only do I have fear, but I have pride that I can actually believe that I know what's best for you. That is the opposite of humbling yourself. That is the opposite of serving somebody. That is trying to get you to do it my way for my own agenda. So controllers hurt relationships. Consumers, those who are so self-absorbed that the only thing they think about is how it benefits them. Consumed with withdrawals but never thinking about investments. And if you always withdraw and never invest, eventually you become what? Broke, bankrupt. The same is true in relationships. So beware of some of these danger signs. If you can't render an opinion without being attacked, without receiving a lecture, or getting the silent treatment. And I'm not talking about occasionally one of the best things you can do when, contention, when, when you're in contention with somebody you love. Sometimes one of the best things you can do is take a break. As long as you don't take a permanent break and never be willing to discuss the issues. It is okay sometimes to remove yourself from something that is so contentious that emotions are so high you can't get to the issues. But don't let that become permanent. Come back and get into discussion about what the real, you know, help me understand why this has hurt you. Help me understand through your eyes how that sounded to you. It's not easy to humble yourself. In the, it's easy sitting right here, but in the moment, it's going to take the grace and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But it's, the heart of God is all about reconciliation. <clears throat> okay, so... When 
these are in place, you need to know they're danger, they're blinking lights, there's some danger. When every time you have an idea or an opinion, it gets shot down or dismissed, that's a danger sign. When somebody insists on staying in your lane, how many of you know that sometimes you get in somebody else's lane and you don't really know what you're doing? You're not even aware you're getting in somebody else's lane. Well, when you get the nudge or you hear the horn honk, get in your own lane. What we're talking about in relationships that is detrimental is when somebody gets in your lane and stays in your lane. I love the commercial about the tattoo artist. Have you seen that? He's working on this little dude and... uh, He doesn't have a clue what he's doing. And the guy in the chair who's fixing to get the needles in his arms says, "Uh, aren't aren't you supposed to draw that first? And the artist says, stay in your lane, bro. (laughs) One of my favorite. Everybody say this with me. Sometimes I just need To stay in my lane, bro. Do you have adult children? Do they ever try to give you ideas that maybe you ought to just stay in your own lane a little bit? No, that never happens, does it? (laughs) Here's what we need to understand. In fact, I want to read this to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Are you listening to this? Do you think the Bible's practical or what? 1 Thessalonians chapter 11, Paul says to the Thessalonian believers that you ought to aspire to lead a quiet life and to mind your own business. Now that's pretty plain, isn't it? Everybody say, I want to lead a quiet life. And part of that is learning to mind my own business. Stay in my lane. (laughs) I mean, are we having fun yet or what? I, um, some of us, it's a great thing to have confidence, amen? But we ought not to have so much self-confidence that we think we're qualified to tell everybody what they ought to be doing. Can everybody say amen? The Holy Spirit is big enough, strong enough, powerful enough to direct us, counsel us, correct us, it is wisdom. You say, well, Pastor, what, what about the word that says in, there is safety in an abundance of counselors? Shouldn't you seek counsel from others? Absolutely. We're not talking about that. We're talking about someone or some ones who constantly try to tell you what you ought to be doing. Do you like that? Do you enjoy that? Do 
do you know that most of the time the, op the, the reaction we have is just the opposite of that, right? We want to run from that. Because God didn't create you to be controlled and manipulated. He did create us to be obedient. But how many of you know when you're dealing with adults, people who um, are trying to figure out life, we ought to stay in our lane. And one reason for that is I'm not qualified to run your business. I don't have a clue. What, hey, if, I, if I were to try to come to your business and tell you what you ought to do, you ought to say, Pastor, it's time for you to go. Because I don't know what I'm doing. Amen? Here's something else. Proverbs 26, 17 says, <clears throat> He who passes by and meddles with somebody else's business is like somebody who grabs a dog by the ears. That's what Proverbs says. Guess what's fixing to happen? You're going to get bitten. I love the difference in the Old Testament and the New. The Old Testament says you're going to be grabbing a dog's ears, and the New Testament says just mind your own business. It's a good, good, a good difference there. All right. Now, so when we have these conflicts and, that arise, we need to be wise in discerning when there is a confrontation coming. Or there are times when you've got to exit a relationship. It may be in your business. It may be terminating somebody's employment. It may be separating from your, uh, yourself in, in a friendship or whatever. So I ask you to turn to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 a long time ago. So here we are. Let your speech, what you say, always be with grace. What is grace? God's favor and God's ability. So keep, you know what that means? Put your mouth, put your words under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Now, especially in the culture there in first century, salt was a preservative. Do you know you can blow up your relationships with your words? But do you, do you know that you can also preserve your relationships with your words? Let your speech be seasoned with salt so you are preserving. Just because you're in a disagreement, just because there's contention, doesn't mean that you, that, that you don't have the ability to preserve. I'll keep reminding the people that you're in conflict with, that you love them, but just because you love them doesn't make the issues go away. Right? But we've got to learn to speak with grace, that is, seasoned with salt. Remember, salt is a preservative. And also remember this, that salt is something that makes what is about to be said, what's about to be eaten, more palliative. 
It tastes better. Sometimes when you're about to go into a confrontation or a disagreement, you need to let your speech be preserved with salt so that what you're about to say will taste better. Because it's not going to be fun. Amen? Only four of you have been what I've been through. I mean, you're going to have some conflicts. If you don't, you're dead and don't know it. (laughs) Oh, boy. Why should we do this? Because the Word of God tells us to. And notice what he says. Let your speech be seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Oh, man. What would you give for the wisdom to know how to answer somebody that comes against you verbally? What would you give to, how, to know how to respond to that? The Word of God says for us to pray and to ask God for the grace to season our words. Lord, give us wisdom. And here's some of that wisdom. And, and, and you know, it, it's wonderful that we would do that because <clears throat> rebuilding bridges takes time and energy, I've got in your outline. <laughs> Sometimes the conflict is so difficult that it takes time for you to be able to earn the right to be heard again. So... <clears throat> And by the way, earning the right to be heard is a big deal. Earning the right to be heard involves an attitude of respect. Disagreement is inevitable. Respect is not up for grabs. It's essential for an ongoing relationship. James 1, 19 says this, Be quick to hear and slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. When you're about to go into a confrontation, before you really get into that, you need to make a plan. Here's some things that have helped me when I have been involved in conflicting situations. And um, it may surprise you to know that not everybody in the world over these years have thought I was Mr. Wonderful. It may, it may surprise you to know <laughs> I didn't ask for your amen or nothing. She never says a word in the service until I say something like that. After 47 years, though, I can handle it, right? Okay. (laughs) Stay in my lane. All right. Sometimes, not only do people not only think that I'm not the greatest guy in the world, but there are times when they are uh, not in absolute agreement with uh, the way I lead and shepherd my flock. And sometimes there are those who don't agree with how, uh, the, how the flock operates and, and um, all of that. And uh, there are times when I have um, 
been involved in conflict. And one of the things that has uh, always helped me is before I go in to a conversation, I want everybody to understand what I'm saying because this is going to offend some people if you hadn't been around. But I want you to think about it in the context of your own business sometimes. Please understand that just like in your business, just like in your friendships, just like in your social interaction, it's also the same sometimes in the church. Sometimes there's some who just need to move on. I grew up, and the pastor would always say, because he always gave public invitations, we thank God for these blessed additions. Well, over the years, I've learned that there are also blessed subtractions. <laughs> Amen. You know it's true in business. It's also true sometimes in the church family. And sometimes I've just had to advise and encourage people to find a place that fits them a little better. I didn't say get out of the church. I just said let's, all, let's you and I both agree that maybe we both, uh, that perhaps for you, you might want to find a place that would fit a little better for you. Every single time they have understood that. And moved on. And it's true in your business and in your family and your friendships too, isn't it? Sometimes it's better to let's just agree that we will respect one another, but we're probably just not a fit. Amen? When you're about to go into this, it's always helped me to make myself some notes of what it is that I want to communicate and I remind myself, stay in your lane, Pastor. Stay in your lane. Just communicate what it is that you want to say. And Holy Spirit, help me to say it the way you would want me to say it. And don't let me get out of line. If I do, bring me to repentance quick. And just give me grace to say what needs to be said, make yourself note, prepare, have a plan, write yourself some guidelines, ask the Lord for His favor, and ask Him to bring order into any discussion that you may have, or meeting that you may have to resolve things. I love James 5.19, once you know that separation in this relationship is necessary, don't get, in the, don't get into the situation that you know separation is necessary and allow somebody's emotion to change your mind. Once you already know it's the right thing to do, James 5.19 says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your yes be yes and your no be don't leave room for ambiguity in this. Be respectful, but don't float around out there when, when then they leave and they're thinking, what did, what did she say? What, did he, what does he mean? 
But your yes be yes, and your no be no. There's a whole lot of people over the years who haven't particularly liked what I've said, but not many didn't understand it. Amen? And thank you for sticking around. Nothing will stretch you like relationships. But I, wanna, I want you to look at the back of your outline. I'll give you some practical thoughts. If you're in a business situation or a leadership situation and somebody is just not going to be a good employee or a good, whatever it is, one of the things you may want to say when you talk to them is, you know, one of the founding fundamental principles of this business or this organization or whatever, one of our fundamental principles here is blank. You know, I, I'm not certain that you have truly connected with that. You don't bring them in and say, look, this is not working. Get out of here. No, no, no. By the way, let me, let me say, you do know that how you present the meal has something to do with how it's received. You, you, you know that, don't you? If you go to a fine, fine, fine restaurant and you place an order and they come out and your, your, everything is piled on the plate, all your appetizers, salads, entrees, desserts, they even poured your drink in there. And you say, what are you doing? And they say, it's all going to the same place. <laughs> Understand that presentation, don't make somebody get past your presentation to get to your content. Right? If somebody wants to tell you something important, they probably don't need to show up with a Speedo and flip-flops. You can't get past that to hear what they're trying to say. Isn't that right, Carl? I learned this in coaching. When you see that a relationship that somebody is trying to do a service for you is not going to work, tell them that there are some requirements that, have been, that are being passed along. And this is a new day for everybody. But make those requirements so plain and those demands beyond what a non-committed person would agree to. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to... Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. He made it plain. And if it's just not going to work, let's let them know it'd be in both of your best interests to go in a different direction. And we wish you nothing but the best. Take the high road. Take the high road. But I want to close by saying this. Nothing stretches you more than the relationships that God has put into your life. Nothing. It's supposed to be that way. 
Jesus' own family came out on the road early in his ministry and tried to get him to shut it down. I said, you don't need to be doing, what are you doing? Come home. The closest relationships to you can sometimes be the source of stretching you more. But but, but I want you to know something about stretch. God was going to use pressure, relationships, problems, situations. Understand this. God uses what he doesn't originate. You understand that? He's sovereign. God uses what he doesn't originate. God doesn't originate brokenness. God doesn't originate lack and sickness and anger and broken. God doesn't originate that. But sometimes the Lord will use things like relationships to stretch us. What do you mean by that? Not, not, not just pressure, not just opposition, not just rejection. Sometimes God will use new revelation to stretch you. you, are, you you're going to have to believe at a higher level than you've ever believed before. Sometimes God will use new responsibility that he gives you. That you, you, you've been comfortable, but now you've got a new responsibility. Sometimes God will give you a new assignment that you've never had before, and boy, will it stretch you. <laughs> like <sighs> projects of real estate projects that you've never taken on before on 70-year-old houses, like new real estate developments. Sometimes you'll wake up and you'll have a new assignment and you don't know what you're doing, but you got you, it stretches you, doesn't it? Sometimes in our relationships we get stretched. Sometimes we get stretched when God gives us new opportunities because we don't exactly know what to do. Sometimes, many of you have been praying for blessing for years, sometimes When God does give you new blessing, blessing beyond which you've never had before, that'll stretch you. That'll stretch you. Why would he do that? Because one of the biggest enemies you have of intimacy with Jesus is your own comfort. Sometimes we get in such levels of comfort that we don't want to take on any new responsibility. We don't want to have to obey at a higher level. We don't want to be messed with. We just want comfort. That is not something that the Lord is really into. He wants us to grow. And our faith has to be stretched. Sometimes God will bless you with something you had never had before, whether it's greater intimacy with Him, whether it's revelation, whether it's influence, whether it's finances, whatever it is, and it'll stretch you. Why does God stretch you? If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. I'm closing. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. 
God does not stretch you to hurt you. He stretches you to prepare you for greater. Greater resources. Greater revelation. Greater ability to give. Greater ability to receive from the Lord. Greater, 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 greater influence. You get stretched not to hurt you, but to prepare you for greater. So when you begin to see this discomfort of being stretched, knowing that you are being prepared for greater, now you can cooperate better. You can cooperate more. The Lord has really been stretching Dina and I these last couple of years as we've entered into another decade of life. Greater responsibilities, greater, who, putting us in assignments that we didn't, heretofore, we didn't know anything about. Recently, God told both of us that we were to give something beyond anything we've ever given before, way beyond a tithe. And, buddy, it was a stretch. Man, a stretch. But you know what he was doing? He was preparing us for greater blessing. For greater blessing. Do you know that sometimes when the Lord is stretching you, you are having to yield something. You're having to give something. You're having to surrender something. And in our mind, what we say is, well, if I surrender that, I'll never get it back. And that is just the opposite of the Word of God. Whatever you sow, you will reap. The mind says, I'll never get it back. The Word says you'll get it back in abundance. Jesus said you want a fine life? Give it up. Surrender it. Serve me. Serve those I assigned to you. That's how you surrender it. Serve it. If you want it back, surrender it. That's the way the kingdom works. God, if I give up this time, I won't get it back and I won't be good at my job. If I'm surrendering time to you, I, 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 will, pre, I will create such value in your time with me that it'll, that, that it'll supersede anything you could waste your other time with. Many of you own your own business. You may think that if you surrender the first 10, 15 minutes of your day to the Lord, you'll never be able to get it back and you'll just be overwhelmed through the rest of the day. If you'll put God first, if you will seek first His kingdom and His right way of doing things, you will find out that more order, more peace, and more prosperity will come to you eventually. We get out of whack with the principles of the kingdom. God will stretch you to prepare you for greater. And I don't see anything in the Word of God where you get a pass on that at a certain age. 
Do you? Keep moving forward. Keep trusting and believing God. When he's stretching you, give him praise. You're preparing me for greater. I want you to bow your heads with me just for a moment. Would you say to the Lord, Father, thank you for the relationships you've put in my life, even those that have caused me pain. I know that Jesus knows all about painful relationships. So, Lord, I ask you to teach me, to guide me. I ask you to direct me. You know I'm being stretched. Show me what you're preparing me for, Lord. The Spirit of God is speaking to you and He's put His hand on your being stretched to prepare you. If you're willing to say, Lord, I surrender. I yield to you and to your control. Every area where I'm being stretched, it's in your hands. I want you to stand right where you are. know I'm being stretched. Thank God today I know I'm being prepared for the greater. You know if you're being stretched you can be excited not only that you're being prepared for greater, you can be really excited that the Lord hadn't forgotten who you are and where you are. He's at work. Would you say to the Lord right now, Father, whatever you want, I'm yours. Can't tell you what a blessing it is for the love that the Spirit has generated between the saints here. Know that I'm praying for you every day. If you need us, you let us know. You go with God. He's going with you, and we'll see you in two weeks. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.